Hey, what's up, folks? You're listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and we might observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. This episode is a continuation of a study that I've been doing through the podcast channel regarding the gospel according to Matthew. And it's been several weeks since I have continued in this study, so I'm excited and anxious to continue in this episode, Matthew chapter 14. If you're able to open your physical Bible or digital Bible and locate Matthew chapter 14, I'll be reading several verses as we consider together, (coughs) excuse me, special training for the disciples. Special training for the disciples. From Matthew chapters 14 through 20, that time period of Jesus' ministry, it appears that Jesus retreated from the crowds at large to give special attention to the disciples and to teach them things that they needed to learn about serving him. You know, there would be a lot of thoughts and feelings, perhaps misunderstandings, about what it would mean to follow and serve Messiah in his kingdom. And so Jesus makes a special effort to give them special personal attention with special training and instructions that will help them to understand the nature of who he is and what he intends to accomplish and he, what he wants them to do and accomplish once he leaves earth. And there are things in here that I believe we can learn from, and it will enrich our lives. So let's unpack this section together, beginning with Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, and I'll be reading from the New King James, as I usually do. At that time, Herod the teacher art heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. No doubt this was a traumatic experience for John, at least until he was relieved of his physical suffering and went under the care of God into paradise, but also for Jesus and also for the disciples and apostles of Jesus. When Herod began to hear about Jesus and his his popularity, the widespread nature of his teaching, 
he first thought that John had been raised from the dead as though John was like haunting him or something. Again, because Matthew gives the detailed account of what had happened. Herod had John beheaded. And when it comes to Jesus training his disciples and the purpose of our podcast today, as we reflect over these first 12 verses, I want us to think about how Jesus gave special training for the disciples. He taught them that serving him, serving Jesus, will lead to suffering and death. Again, John was a faithful man. He taught the way of God, but some didn't like it. Herod had John put in prison, all because John had told him that his marriage was not lawful. Herodias, Herod's wife, was a very vindictive person. She plotted for the right time, and she used the seductive dance of her daughter to lure her husband into making a promise before his contemporaries. What a sick, demented, and twisted woman, right? Serving Jesus can lead to dealing with difficult situations. Prompted by her mom, the daughter of Herodias called for John's head on a platter. And because of his pride and foolishness, Herod did it. He had it done. Now, no doubt, as I said a moment ago, John's disciples and Jesus were very saddened by this evil. I, I can only, all I can do is imagine how terrible this would be, keeping in mind how much Jesus loved John and how many people loved John and his loyalty and devotion to God and to the kingdom of God and to the preaching of of the message. John and Jesus, as you may know, were relatives. They were cousins. So again, no doubt this hurt Jesus greatly. I think what this section emphasizes, there are a lot of little things points that all add up to this main point serving king jesus will bring hardships i think we water this down in our time because we are not teaching and preaching jesus as we could and as we should and we say well serving jesus you know it could bring persecution it could bring hardships no it will 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 12, Paul told Timothy, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not could, uh, probably will No, they will. Dear folks, dear brothers and sisters especially, if we aren't being persecuted as a Christian, we aren't living right. Because Jesus said that serving him would bring persecution. What is persecution? Well, persecution happens in many ways. But persecution is when we are treated poorly, we're treated bad, Because of our religion, because we are practicing our religion, not because we're keeping our traditions, not because we're binding our opinions, but because we are following God and doing what God said. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The idea of denying self and taking up the cross is the idea of suffering and death. The cross was not some cute fixture that hung in various places and sold for various amounts of money. The cross was literally a physical form of torture, excruciating pain. So for a person that desires to follow Jesus, to deny self and take up the cross and follow him means that serving Jesus will lead to suffering and death. And if we're not persecuted, folks, as a Christian, we're not living right. Jesus said, Matthew 16, same chapter, the next verse, verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. We don't need to desire to save our lives. We need to desire to lose our lives for God's sake. Listen to the next phrase. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we're not being persecuted as a Christian, we're not living right. 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, Peter wrote, For to this suffering for what is right you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who bore our, uh, excuse me, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Suffering is going to happen. Serving the Lord Jesus will lead to suffering and death. The Lord made no bone he made no bones about it. He didn't hide that. There was no fine print. And so if we're not being persecuted as a Christian because we're doing what's right, we're not living right. That doesn't mean we'll necessarily have our heads cut off, folks. It could happen. But I'm talking about if we are never mistreated for living godly, for teaching what is right and godly, we're not living right. <coughs> Because God said <clears throat> through Paul, all that the desire to live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what's the opposite of that? If we're not suffering persecution, we're not living godly in Christ Jesus. I don't think we like to think about that because it, it causes us to really think and think, well, maybe I'm not living godly as I should. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm sitting here saying this knowing I'm going to upload this online and people are going to hear it. And I'm thinking, I need to be living more godly. I'm not being persecuted enough. I don't want to be persecuted. I say enough. Sometimes I'm not being persecuted at all. And that concerns me. It concerns me that I'm not putting the name of Jesus out enough. All right. Serving Jesus will lead to suffering and death. That suffering also includes the suffering of self-denial, the challenges that come with it. Second, special training for the disciples. Not only that serving him would lead to suffering and death, but suffering him, but excuse me, serving him, that is Jesus, will lead others to the bread of life. Matthew 14, our chapter. Let's look at verses 13 to 21. When Jesus heard it, that is, about the death of John, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. 
And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Jesus withdrew, verse 13, but he was followed by the multitudes. He took the five loaves, he took the fish, the two fish, and he fed over 5,000 people. That's a, that's a miracle. Because they were in a deserted place with no other food, yet they took up 12 baskets full of fragments after everyone ate, indulged, and were full. Now, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 71, that's the whole chapter of John 6, helps us to understand that the purpose behind the physical feeding was a sermon in action. Jesus is the true bread from heaven, and his first disciples got the message directly from him, and they in turn taught it to others. Think about the impact that the sermon, and if you've not read John 6, the sermon there, you definitely need to read it because Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll die. You won't have life. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. I came down not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was saying, I am the son of God and I am the source of life, spiritual life and eternal life. And unless you partake of me, you have no hope. You're doomed. You're damned. You're lost. And the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6. So, to eat of Jesus' flesh and to drink of his blood is to partake of his word. To partake of his word is to partake of him. What he taught and what he stands for and who he is. Again, Jesus Christ is the true bread. Now, the physical manna in the wilderness that God gave the Israelites, that was a divine miracle. But that was only for physical nourishment. And then they physically died. Jesus said, I'm not like that. I'm better than that. I'm, I'm greater than that. I'm greater than Moses. Moses is not the one that even gave you that. It was God all along. He says, look, you've got a partaker of me. I'm the true bread from heaven. And imagine being the disciples hearing that and getting that message directly from him. <coughs> Excuse me. They in, they in turn taught that message to others. Now, today we don't have an audible conversation with the bread of life himself. We get the message of God from his book, the Bible. And we must teach it to others. Teach others that Jesus is the true bread from heaven. And without him, 
we don't have life. We must partake of him and his doctrine. There's no such thing as having Jesus while rejecting the Bible, his word. Jesus preached clearly what I'm about to mention, John 12, 48. He said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So again, special training for the disciples. Jesus has retreated from the large crowds at large, at least tried to. And he teaches them that serving him will lead to suffering and death. That serving him will lead others to him, to the bread of life. We cannot divorce Jesus from his doctrine. We must obey his word. And to his people, part of that word that we must obey is to make disciples of all the nations. We can't merely partake of the bread of life and then remain silent. We will help lead others to the bread of life, the one of whom we're partaking. Think about it this way. No one will come to Jesus as the bread of life if we ourselves are not helping them to see that. The need of it, the necessity of it, the blessing of it, the goodness of it. Serving Jesus will lead others to the bread of life. And no doubt the people who saw Jesus perform these miracles that already loved him and were serving him and desiring to be molded by him and changed by him and serving, serve him in his kingdom, they were greatly impressed because when many walked away after that bread of life sermon, John 6, 66, Jesus turned to the apostles and said, will you go away also? Now, God never asks questions for answers. He already knows the answers. He asks questions for man's contemplation. And it, it, put the, it put the apostles on the spot. It, it put to their mind, are you really dedicated to me? Will you really go all the way for me? Peter responded correctly. Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God, the Messiah. So serving Jesus will lead others to the bread of life. And they learned that early on. And you look at the sermons in the book of Acts. Their message was about Jesus and how he's the bread of life and he gives life. And how we must come to him and believe in him and trust in him and obey him. Third and finally here in Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 14. Another thing wherein Jesus gave special training for the disciples. He taught them that serving him will lead us through storms, but God is in control. Serving Jesus will lead us through storms, <coughs> but God is in control. Look with me at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. After he fed the 5,000, immediately Jesus made his disciples, that is, he strongly urged them to get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. 
Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, mm, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So from this section, special training for the disciples. They learned that serving Jesus and following his word would lead them through storms. But God is in control. Jesus purposely sent them to the Sea of Galilee and told them to go before him to the other side. He knew the storm would come and he knew they would need and he knew they would need him. He knew they needed the test. The disciples were followers who longed to be with Jesus and to learn from him. And when Jesus came to them walking on the sea, they didn't recognize or perceive that it was him initially. There's nothing in all the world more comforting than hearing the words of sovereign King Jesus, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. When Jesus allowed Peter to walk on the water, Peter did great as long as he looked at Jesus. But when Peter looked at the wind, he began to sink. Jesus' question is very fitting for every person who seeks to follow Jesus. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Serving Jesus will lead us through storms. There may be storms that you're going through right now. But God's in control. And that doesn't mean we won't go through hardships. It means that we can be still and know that He is God. That He's in charge. Psalm 46.10 He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13.5 and 6 And He'll supply all our needs. Philippians 4.19 He'll be with us. Matthew 28.18-20 He promised. I am with you. Now, Jesus was with the apostles in the Great Commission in a special way through the miraculous. We don't have that. But we have Jesus through his word. We have his promises. His presence is with us. Not miraculously, but he's with us. And we keep him in our hearts and our minds. If we are in him and he's in us, there's nothing to fear. Because he's in control. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
whether we suffer martyrdom or we live and die a natural death like John the Apostle. Either way, our job is to go through the storms when necessary and keep in mind that God's in control. Keep serving Him. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, You are because you have been. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's how we get in Him. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we believe that He died for our sins and He rose from the dead, and we'll confess that, that He is Lord. Before others, Romans 10.10. And we'll change our heart about sin and purpose to live for God, Acts 17.30, 2 Peter 3.9, repentance. If we will go down into the waters of baptism and be clothed with Christ, raised to walk a new life, Romans 6, 4, then we're in him and he's in us. And there's nothing to fear because he is in control, Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, where the Hebrews writer said, look, I know y'all been going through some hardships, but here's the deal. Bottom line, let your behavior, your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's the kind of faith that we need to have. And the special training for the disciples here, all of it points to loving Jesus by committing ourselves to him Believing in Him, trusting Him, obeying Him, following Him, adoring Him. Serving Jesus will lead to suffering and death. Serving Jesus will lead others to the bread of life. It won't hide the bread of life from others. It will help others see the bread of life. And serving Jesus will lead us through the storms. Keeping in mind, God is in control whether we're delivered immediately from that storm or we go all the way through it. God is in control. God is with us. And God told us through James, James chapter 1, my last verse, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance that's the idea of patience perseverance endurance just like an athlete commits his whole life a a professional athlete commits his whole life to a sport to learning the game being as physically fit as he can and performing to the highest level possible for as many games as possible We're to count it joy when we fall into various trials serving God. Because we can know that the testing of our faith will give us the endurance that we need to withstand all the trials of life, to lead others to the bread of life, to go through the storms of life knowing God's in control. He will provide me what I need, Philippians 4.19. Where are you, dear listener? Is there a way we can help you? 
This podcast is brought to you by the Washington Avenue Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We are located at 2001 West Washington Avenue, Jonesboro, Arkansas, our zip code 72401. We're across the street, our building is, from the Roller Funeral Home. We have services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m., and on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We have a congregation that is diverse in ages, and also we have multiple uh, nationalities that make up our congregation. We are a loving and forgiving people. We are a committed people to Christ and His doctrine. And I think that you will find here a group of people who love the Lord and will commit themselves and have committed themselves to Him. If you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a Bible church, if you're wanting to know more about the Bible, if you have Bible questions, I would be happy to do my best to help you with that. You can find me, Aaron J. Dodson, on social media, Facebook, and other places. <coughs> Excuse me. You can send me a message, and I'll, be, I'll do my best to um, send you um, the information that you're looking for. Uh, also, if you have a question, a Bible question that you would like for me to uh, turn into an episode, a podcast episode, hey, shoot me a private message. I will keep your name anonymous, and I'll be happy to do a podcast on a subject or a passage of Scripture that you would like to hear more about or you have questions on. Thank you so much for listening, and if this gave your life value, do me a favor and click like, give me a rating on whatever venue you're listening and share it on whatever social media, email, text platform you can, and let others see this material as well. Thank you for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson Podcast. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.